or if we want to just kind of delete the group and let it go away since it since there won't be this class anymore um, and so I would like some input from you uh, if you're a part of this group what do you think makes sense to do with it going forward Micah, I'll let you start since you're the co-teacher. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it would make sense to open it up. I feel like there's, um, I, I feel like there's uh, people who who would be interested in kind of plugging this conversation that yeah aren't aren't connected to this, and, and I don't feel like um, uh, that's compromising anyone's privacy or anything like that. Uh, so I would, I'd say go for it. Okay. Anybody else? I mean, because the one, the one thing that it will do is it will very quickly take it beyond the, the scope of Otter Creek and the people that we know. Um, I know, like, there, I think there are seven outstanding requests right now, which is just people that have found it based on the, pretty much nothing more than the name of the class. Um, at least one of those accounts appears to be a pseudonym um, so we will, yeah. So we, we we will get some of that. Um, they will probably have very different interests, uh, things they want to discuss than we have had in here. Um, but what I, if if we open it up, what I would hope is that we're able to to moderate those comments in a way that keep it kind of what we've talked about in here, rather than getting trolled too much and just becoming too much of a wild west. Um, is, does anybody have any other opinions about what we ought to do with it or is anybody, does anybody have serious reservations about making this a public group? Oh, and that won't. That, yeah, that's 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 what I do anyway. So, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah. So that okay. So uh, probably after class, I will go ahead and open this up, and we'll see what happens. And if it gets too weird, we'll just either close it back or shut it down at some point. Um, so I, I read. I, I'm I'm actually in the middle of it, but I there, I found an article this week that presented something related to what we've talked about uh, but in a way that I'd never really thought about before because we've, we've talked about how we should approach social media, how we should behave online, the kind of comments that lead to productive discussion and the kind that don't. The one thing, and, and we talked about, we talked about fake news and about talking about religion online the one thing that we never really talked about is um, is studying and I, I, I found a study this week that was a, it was a study of two groups two conservative Christian groups and how they approached fact-checking the news and what it found was that they um, used the same study habits, for lack of a better word, um, for that they learned when going to the Bible for 
dealing with news and trying to figure out what's real and what's not and what opinions are uh, valid and which ones aren't. Uh, and it was one of, one of the things that this study found is that, the, that doing that within the context of the online world right now tends to end up confirming existing beliefs and there, there are some technological and some, some algorithmical reasons for that. Um, but I, I, I just I thought it was really interesting. I posted it. I don't know if anybody um, if anybody read it. I'm going to go to this. Let's see. I'm going to blow this up some, and we can. But the 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 woman who did the study calls the. Um, well, it says they critically interrogate media messages in the same way they approach the Bible, focusing on specific passages and comparing what they read, see, and hear to their lived experiences. I term this media interrogation process scriptural inference. And what I, what I found really interesting about this is that the kinds of approaches that these conservative Christians were taking were the sorts of things that journalists and media experts try to get people to do when they're um, wanting, they're, they're, they're the sort of things you learn in media literacy classes uh, because it's for uh, for these people it's about going to the source, going to the original document, the primary source and finding out what was actually said and interpreting it for themselves rather than relying on what everybody else says about it. And so that's a good habit. It's a, it's a, that's a really good habit to fall into. It's the sort of thing that you want people doing because you don't want, what you don't want to have happen is for you know, person A to say something and then media outlet B, C, and D all to say, well, this is what was said and this is what they really meant and to begin to take it out of context. And we've all seen that sort of stuff happen. Um, and so those are, those are the kinds of things that you want people to do. Um, but one of the things that happens is they, well, here, we'll go, we'll go through some of the, th this is just some of the um, highlights of the study. There's actually a link within this that takes you to, it's like a 50-page study. Um, so the author finds that self-identified conservatives in this study consume a wide variety of news sources, but then juxtapose what they read, see, and hear with other documents, including presidential speeches and the Constitution. Again, this is the sort of thing that you want to see. Um, and it goes against some of the characterizations that you see of people wanting to get their news only from one set of sources. And what she found, at least within these conservative Christian groups, and it really only focused on um, those particular groups. This was not a study of how this happens in different kind of cultures. It was just, this is what happens in this one. And I found it interesting because it's very similar to the the place that I came from and I think that many of us came from. 
but it said they actually do consume from a wide variety of news sources so it's not just that they're listening to Fox News and talk radio they are they have those things and then they're pulling from maybe it's the New York Times maybe it's CNN MSNBC different podcasts things like that and in the study they outline several different people in all of the sources that they go to to um, to keep informed and to hear a wide variety of uh, perspectives. So author calls this compare and contrasting focus on the word, scriptural inference, a practice rooted in biblical study that prioritizes direct analysis of primary sources. Again, that's the sort of thing you want. You want people to know to go to what was originally said. Since the, but here's where it gets a little bit weird. Since these communities rely on non-neutral search engines like Google to fact-check the news, algorithms that are used to serve up information may help create or reinforce ideological biases in news gathering. And goes on to explain a little bit of what that means and how that happens. And we'll, we'll come back to talking about uh, Google in just a minute. Um, so services like Google and YouTube can unintentionally expose individuals who consider themselves mainline conservatives to more radical content as the author, author finds that simple syntax differences in search terms yield different algorithmic recommendations. I'll give you, I'll tell you about an example of that in a minute. Um, and then it fo the, the study focuses on a nonprofit media company called PragerU that is identified as a purveyor of bite-sized content formats and sophisticated marketing strategies that aim to reinforce distrust of mainstream media. So PragerU, as I understand it, is not, they're not specifically promoting a particular politician's agenda. They're just trying to get people not to trust mainstream news sources. And then uh, this quote from the woman who did the study, by applying the practices of scriptural inference to Google searches, this report implicates Google in reaffirming people's existing beliefs. So let's back up a little bit and let's, uh, let's say that you're, you're on Facebook and you're seeing news stories about something that happened. Uh, we'll keep it in the political realm because that's easy to imagine. And you're seeing one outlet say this and one outlet saying something else about it then and you want to figure out how to reconcile that or to see what actually happened so when you want to do that what do you do where do you, where do you start to figure it out for yourself what's the first thing that you do you got five different Facebook stories they all seem to be saying different things what do you do to figure out what actually happened what? What was that? You Google it. You Google it. That's right. 100% of the people that she asked about that said you start with Google. All right. So, so what do you? So, so what? What? What do you? What do you do with those results? What? How do you? How do you try to get the results from Google that you need? You usually start at the top. You just gotta work your way down the hills. You know? Okay. Why do you start at the top? And that's and that's exactly so far you're 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 exactly on target. Why do you start at the top? Because what? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you read top to bottom. Okay. Uh, but but what is it? What is it? When you see a top result in Google. Okay. Well, let's 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 take out the ads. So the the ads are the ads are marked. 
Okay, so um, I'm searching for a toothbrush for my kid. Okay. Amazon's first thing that pop I'm familiar with Amazon. I know about Amazon. I'm going to click on Amazon. Okay, good. Or try to your, your perceived trusted sources. Yeah. You know, the main mainstream type. That's it. Yeah. We work together. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you've got, yeah, you've got your perceived trusted where you, sources. Where you, where you go, the main brands that you, you recognize. Right. You mentioned a laundry list a moment ago, CNN, MSNBC, you know, Fox, NPR, whatever, you know, the main brand news sources that you usually go to. Right. Yeah. Okay. The, um, the other thing, and, 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 and those are all right, and those are, those are all good. The, uh, the other thing that happens is, and, and this is something that was, that was less obvious to the people that she talked to, is that what, Google is not trying to give you the correct information. They are trying to give you the information that they think you are looking for. And they're trying to give you the information that they think you are looking for in a way that will keep you coming back and continuing to use Google. So there is, there is a commercial self-interest in the results that they give you. But there is also, um, it's, it's, it's not neutral, not in the sense that it has a particular agenda other than to keep you using Google, um, but that they're, they want to give you the, they, they want to please you. Google, Google is a, tries to be a people pleaser. They want to give you the answers that they think you're looking for. And so a couple of things end up happening with that. You get those top results and you get you get your trusted news sources, but in the middle of those trusted news sources, you may get some things that you haven't heard of before because those are the things that people are clicking on. One of the um, tendency, tendencies they found in this group was that people thought of those not just as the trusted news sources or the familiar sources of information, but that if they were at the top, that made them more current, more relevant, um, more accurate. And that wasn't necessarily, that's not necessarily the case, it's just more applicable to the term that you searched for. One of the examples of that, and um, I don't know what the, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, I haven't done this but I'm going to try it to see what we come up with. Um, said, for example, when uh, last season in the NFL, when you had all of the, you had the protests, the players taking a knee, then you had the president come out um, and make comments about players who took a knee during the national anthem and what should happen, and there were stories about that the NFL ratings were down as a result of that, and then there were contesting stories that that wasn't actually the case, and so if you go to Google, what the story said was that if you go to Google and you type in NFL ratings down, you get one set of results that focus on 
the, yeah, the declining ratings or that ratings are declining, but that if you searched for NFL ratings up, you got a completely different set of stories. So it kind of depends on the syntax that you use to start your search. So I'm, I, and I actually haven't done this, so I'm curious to see what happens if we do it now. All right, so NFL ratings down. Um, starts here, why NFL ratings are plummeting, a two-part theory. Let's see, we'll go to this. All right, and so here we do, we do see a lot of news stories and we see them from, uh, from major news sources. The, from the Atlantic, why NFL ratings are plummeting, a two-part theory. Tom Brady has a theory on why NFL ratings have gone down. Uh, NFL TV ratings down roughly 10% from last season. Um, that's Sports Illustrated, Sports Illustrated, Washington Times, ABC News. And then we start to get, pretty quick after that, we start to get into places that I've never heard of. Recode.net, undefeated.com, okay, there's LA Times, we know them. Yahoo.com, we know them. The Hill, that's a major political outlet. So, but you've got, you've got two things right in the middle here, but Everything that you see says, yep, you read that, you read the headlines, and you're going, yeah, ratings are down. This is, this is a real thing. Now let's see what happens if we type NFL ratings up. And this one might have been in the original search results but see here we get we get a whole different narrative can't let the sky is falling NFL ratings narrative fool us why, viewer, why viewership declined this season ratings compared to last year that's a little bit more neutral but sports media watch is certainly not sports illustrated uh, we're, so what? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and so it also also the NBA the down well, see, and that's and you, you see when we type in just NFL ratings, they they compare it to the uh, to the NBA. Right. Yeah, and so here you get again, you get not only a whole different um, run of stories, but you get a completely different layout here. Um, Weekly Standard outkick the coverage, which Weekly Standard is a political site that I don't know a whole lot about, but I'm familiar with the name. Outkick the coverage is a pretty respected sports site, and Fortune Magazine. <laughs> outkick the coverage. <laughs> yeah, and so and here you get you get some of the ones from it, from it going down, and you but you get a lot more on uh, a, a lot more neutral things or that are trying to offer uh, some perspective on it. But yeah, you're exactly right. The searches, if you put in biased, if you put, if you put in search terms that 
reflect your bias, even unconsciously, you're going to get search results that confirm that bias, yeah, that reinforce that bias. For the words you put in there. So if you put the word down, it's going to pull things that have the word down. Right. If you put the word up, it's going to pull ones that have the word up. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's, it's also going to make some assumptions that what you are looking for is that, that the ratings are down. That you're not, you're not looking to figure out what actually happened to the ratings, but that they're down. And so if you, if you are using terms that either show that you're looking for a particular... This is, this is kind of like when we proof text scripture. Um, because the way that I grew up studying scripture was that we kind of knew what was right because we were the Church of Christ and we had figured out right things, but we needed to know why what we believed was right. And so we took our topics and we went to the Bible to look for the passages that showed us why we were right. And that is, I, I, I can't speak for any other religious or cultural traditions about whether they do that or not, but I know that I did. And so when I read about this, it made perfect sense to me because that's the way that I grew up reading the Bible for most of my, you know, most of my childhood and young adult years. Um, and so if I'm going in trying to... Uh, Prove that NFL or thinking that NFL ratings are down and trying to prove it, I might as well be searching for passages about not using instrumental music because I'm gonna I'm gonna find my case here. And when that happens, it just it reinforces even even though what you're trying to do starts with a good motive and starts with um, good habits, you wind up reinforcing what you already believe and that's kind of how it moves into into areas that make that that separate people because you're getting one thing reinforced if I'm taking a different approach I'm getting another thing reinforced and pretty soon there's so much information out there that I've got a well-rounded source of information you know cuz I'm going from the Atlantic to CBS, I got ESPN, I got the LA Times, I've got the Washington Times, which is a conservative paper, I've got CNN, which is pretty middle of the road, all things considered, and so I've got a wide variety of perspectives that all show me that I'm right. One thing that's reminded me of uh, just at the beginning, and it's kind of off, off the topic, but um, the that, that application of, of your, your way of approaching the biblical text to other things. And so they kind of hinted at the, the Constitution, right? And I, I think that's, that is a pattern that, that Christians uh, who approach the Bible in a conservative framework tend to also approach the Constitution in that way, right? This uh, pursuit of like original intent, you know, that's the theory of the Constitution. We treat it as if it's an inspired source in the same way we treat the Bible because we have this one theory about how to go to text and find things. Right. And, um, and then the, the problems are, are when we maybe have that assumption, like the way we're approaching the Constitution requires believing that, that it's inspired and we never kind of interrogated that 
that uh, assumption maybe and and that's sort of what what's manifesting here is that the way you're interrogating the the news or these this these news aggregators is assuming that you can uh, that you can prove text or that you're you're getting a uh, yeah a set of of inspired kind of accounts or something you know something to that effect that you can just you know grab in this yeah. kind of random fashion um, and that then you know when we prove text we're assuming every text is equal right right like all the all the sources are equal if this verse says it uh, but this verse doesn't well it's not that this verse was wrong right and so we're treating our search results like that mm -hmm. that what we're getting is this set of equal text we can pull from yeah um, and so this is actually the, the, the study, and this is the executive uh, summary of it. Um, yeah, so it says, the, the practic practice of scriptural inference bo bolsters the mistrust of mainstream media and supports their need to fact check the news. Again, this is coming from a good motive. This is coming from the motive of thinking for yourself and forming your own opinions rather than letting some authority dictate them to you. But, and since uh, but since Google is seen as a neutral in purveyor of information, it becomes a conduit for accessing unbiased information. While this quest for truth may start in a good faith, significant risks follow. Um, first, search is meant to question political reality actually end up reinforcing the existing ideological beliefs. Services like Google and YouTube can unintentionally expose individuals who consider themselves mainline conservatives to far-right and alt-right content through algorithmic recommendations, and then bad actors looking to exploit an audience disillusioned with mainstream media can take advantage of the intellectual exploration. Um, see, I'm gonna... Well, so it, it, I highly recommend reading the study because it if if you if you like that kind of analysis um, it's it was really eye-opening to me because it made me see the way that I how the way that I tend to think about things influence uh, how I think about the Bible influences how I approach everything else um, and again like I said this doesn't um, it doesn't deal with more liberal traditions as well. It doesn't deal with non-religious traditions or other religious traditions. It's really focused on just the one that I really identified with. So it's it's not in any way saying that the conservative Christians are the only ones that do this kind of thing or the only ones that it happens to, but just that this is how it happens to people who look like me. Uh, and there's there's a lot of uh, well, and, and one of the one of the the really scary examples of you know the the NFL ratings thing was kind of a neutral one. One of the really scary ones that it looks into a little bit um, was the um, the church shooter in the Carolinas, and he said what part of what radicalized him was that he started searching for the phrase "black on white crime." Because that's what that's what he was hearing from his news sources and his friends that was resonating with him. And when he searched for that phrase, which has a lot of loaded connotations from the right, he wound up with a um, 
a national white supremacy hate group at the top of his search results. And so mixed in with CNN or The Atlantic or Fox News or whatever, there was this hate group. But because it was at the top, it looked more valid, it looked more reliable, it looked, he, and it felt unbiased to him. And so when he went in to that world, he was getting that information on the assumption that it had the same kind of weight that all of the major news outlets did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's one of the ways that that sort of thing happens. Um, so anyway, like I said, I'm just absolutely fascinated by this. I'm about halfway through it, um, which is, and I'm still kind of processing it, which is why I'm sort of up here rambling and repeating myself a little bit. But I, I, I really, really strongly recommend this. Um, we've got about 10 or 15 minutes left. Uh, I would like to hear from you guys, if you've been here for several of the weeks or been here the whole time, to hear about things that either we didn't talk about in this class that you wish we had or things that you got out of this class that you've implemented and seen results from or that you've tried here. Um, does anybody have any success stories or any questions? This is sort of our, our 10 minute wrap up for the, for the semester. Just for me, I think I've, I've become more aware of my tendency to want to share things that are just like the zing to the other side of whatever argument I'm on and to, to want to stop for a second longer and go, do I want to share this because I like this and it reinforces something that I already believe? Do I want to take the extra 10 seconds that it takes to go to Snopes or some other place and say, okay, is this complete and total fabrication that is amusing or is this something that is worth sharing and, and you know, repropagating out there into the world, yeah. um, or even just verbally, because it's very easy when my wife and I are sitting around, you know, messing around on our phones, or whatever. You see someone on Facebook, you're like, "Oh, you won't believe this." I don't know if it's true or not, but <laughs> like, this is really funny. And then you're like, "But well, wait a minute, should I? Is it even worth doing that before I even check to see if this is right?" And it's one of those things that I think I intellectually knew before, but I think it. I think this class has helped me be more mentally accountable to do that as opposed to just worry about it later. Yeah. You know, we, we've been talking all morning about what you trust and <coughs> which, which sources that you put your trust in and one of the, one of the things that has been very important to me uh, and one of the things that led me to want to do this class is that I've begun to realize that I need to question myself as a source as much as I need to question CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or the New York Times because I'm as I'm easily as unreliable a narrator as any reporter for any of those places are so I, 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 I know exactly what you mean because I've gone through all of that because there's there's so many things that I believe them because I want to believe them and it's really hard to to unbelieve something that you decide to believe because you felt like believing it. Right. If, if that well, if that makes any it's sense. It's very easy when you're as far removed from most of this stuff as we tend to be. We tend to be kind of insulated from most of the tragedies and the and the you know upheaval of the world. It's very easy to make it almost feel like this is a movie. This is something you're watching. 
kind of happens in some sort of fictitious world, but in fact, we realize there's real world consequences yeah. to some of these things that seem very easy to click a share button on. Yeah. Well, and 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 one of the things that that I would say is a corollary to that is even when we're dealing with people on a national stage that it's always very important for us to realize that any people that we are talking about are actually people and you know they're they're not that movie they're not that storybook character they are they are they are people that matter as much in the grand scheme of things as Nancy does to me or as Richard does or as you do or or any of that and it's there is a dehumanizing aspect to social media that we really haven't talked much about since the first couple of classes uh, that, that I think is, is so important because it's and one of the things that we talked about in the first couple of weeks was that it's one thing to have arguments or to say snarky things about people online because you don't have any of the negative consequences that if I said the same thing to you to your face could get me decked. And you know, and it's like all of the all of the all of the positive things about those interactions are, are magnified online, but the negative consequences tend to go away because they you know you're 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 too far away to get punched for saying it. Right. With her. And I don't want that, you know, to allow me to feel differently about this person that I love. But it kind of makes me dehumanize her as well as the people she's posting. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. I've, ne I've never I've I've thought about that sort of thing happening, but never really quite from from that perspective. Um, Richard? A lot of times I think too, I mean you know, it's the tail wagging the dog. Right. More or less. And so this concept of fake news really came to the surface with, with Trump, uh, you know, Donald Trump saying, and, and a, a military tactic is smoke screening. Uh, you know, so, soldiers would use smoke so you couldn't see soldiers that were advancing their strategies. And, and a lot of times, I, I, I think this, I, I, I think he's, Trump has been successful in criticizing truth or saying truth is and because they, he's, they said his first 400 and some days in office he's they they, they, they verified he's spoken 3,000 lives over 3,000 lives and he's had there was a cartoon or some type of thing where he was wrestling showed him wrestling and he was beating up oh, mm -hmm. CNN uh, and everything that comes out that's, that's, that's 
that's proven to be true, he calls it fake news. And and and, and, and if you if you studied fascism, this is a typical fascist ideology to to demonize the media. Uh, is a prelude to a communist form of government is when, when you criticize and demonize the media, freedom of speech. The NFL issue is not over disrespect for the flag and disrespect for the military. Colin Kaepernick kneeled because he was upset or had a problem with the number of unarmed African American people in this country being killed so his manner of protest was to kneel. He didn't he didn't stop and kneel while he was being quarterback, but he took a kneel to the plan of the national anthem. So a lot of issues that are before us is to cloud us from seeing truth. Mm -hmm. And Google is a, a means of getting to the truth or and certain news outlets have have historically had a a propaganda outlets, period. I mean, we, we, you know, some of them, we, we know this. Some of the your radio announcers are propagandists. Uh, I mean, Obama was accused of planting bugs in right. Trump Tower. Well, and I mean, the, the FBI says no, we didn't. We didn't do that. The CIA says no, we didn't. Do that. Every intelligence agency countered that argument and said it didn't happen. Now, now Obama. <laughs> put in the spot and, and all these issues is to keep you refocus you to another issue to cloud what's really true and that's why you know that's why his platform is fake news and, and I and I can tell that that concept just listening this today that we have grasped that concept that, that we're, we're a little bit more critical of what we see right on, you know, what we see on CNN, what we see on MSNBC, or what we see on Fox, we will be more critical because a politician has brought the issue to the forefront and it's called truth fake. In essence, it, it's trying to keep us from seeing what is really true. Yeah, I, I want to piggyback off of what he said about sometimes issues that face certain members of our society are skewed or how people don't always understand them. And coming from a millennial, a lot of us are told, well not told, but the perception is, especially if you're a Christian, you know, don't put that in your Instagram bio, don't tweet out scripture verses and, you know, keep it hush hush and for a while, I, I hate to say, but I, I did that. Mm -hmm. um, and up until maybe about a couple months ago, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna tweet about what I want to tweet about. If I want to tweet about where I am, if I want to tweet about social justice and about um, immigrants' rights and black rights and anything else that I want to tweet about, I am. And as a millennial that is using social media to build my own business and establish my own brand, I have that in my bio already so mm -hmm. that you know what if you want to work with me you do if you don't want with me you don't but we're not going to do the whole you know oh i thought you said for this but nope here's what i said <laughs> like so you don't waste my yeah. time i don't waste your time and if you want to partner with me 
you can, and if you don't, you don't. But um, I feel like this class has really helped me solidify my space online as a Christian and be proud of it and not feel like I have to hide it or feel like it's something we change. No. Good. I mean, because that's that's the, exactly what we were looking for, and I I think that it's that one of my one of my main goals for the class is to help us become the kind of transparent people that you're talking about in a time where there's so much of the smokescreen that you're talking about, and it's and it's not necessarily even showing other people that there is a smoke screen or how they're wrong or how the, you know making sure they're correct but it's about being the kind of people that that can be trustworthy sources that are transparent that are a very different alternative to what we see from so many other things so i'm i'm glad that the two of you said what you did back to back because that's exactly what i want this class what what i would love to see people in this class be and 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 it may be and what that looks like in each individual may be very different i i don't i don't post a lot of scripture or overtly religious things on my feed because I've got I've got a different kind of audience for a different kind of thing but when I do they know it's they know that's important to me because they don't see it very often. So I, I use it in kind of a different way than you do. That's not and I'm not not in any way saying that that you should do it more my way or I should do it more yours, just that we all have those kind of different roles and to be that kind of transparent person is what we want to do. Micah? I just wanted to piggyback off the, uh, the thought about dehumanizing because I, I see another, another side to that, which is that this person that you care about and that you've had great experiences with um, who uh, probably loves you speaks these things that, that in, interfere with your side of the relationship, right? But she's putting this stuff out it's like, oh, I have this opinion about this kind of people, not realizing that you fall, maybe fall into that category, right? And so I, I think a lot of us do that. We put up, we are like, well, I know that these people are like this. And what we, what we get in response is like, maybe many of our loved ones are like that, but they don't respond because they don't want to like hurt the relationship with us. And so it re that silence reinforces that. We're like, well, I've never heard, you know, a smart person on that side of it, or I've never heard a good person on this side of it, not realizing how many people that that we otherwise are in relationships with are are on that side. And so I think we do have a tendency to either be conf confrontational in a way that dehumanizes us and other people or to back down from those confrontations in a way that also <coughs> contributes that allows yeah that that, that, that allows, allows the dehumanization, the dehumanization. yeah it's and it's tough and i think being able to read into those silences and think about like all the other people who are on the other end of that conversation is a really tough but important skill yeah okay. silence is simplicity to me and and while we celebrate Memorial Day, the governor of Iowa said, said uh, Japanese American citizens that were interned 
it was an executive order of 9066 where FDR had an executive order to intern 117,000 Japanese Americans. But the governor of Iowa said they look like rats, they smell like rats, and they act like rats. My, my, my classic statement is dehumanization is prelude to extermination. When you can dehumanize a person in your mind, I think that permits people to treat you in a way they want to treat you. And yet, we who are Christian sit back and say nothing about it. And if I have, I'm not going to tolerate a friend of mine. I'm not even going to tolerate my children or my grandchildren dehumanizing another human being just because they're different than them. No. That's, that's something I don't tolerate. And I don't, I don't tolerate online or face-to-face or in any conversations. I, just, I don't do that. No. Because once you can... And it happened in Rwanda. Yeah. But, you know, the, uh, the, the two groups who are... You know, they, they were roaches, rats, <laughs> everything. You yeah. just, that's something I don't tolerate. So, so I, will, I will leave you with this paradox that while silence is complicity, silence, uh, most of us also talk way too much. Uh, and so silence is, a complic- is complicity, but silence is also one of the greatest disciplines that we can develop on social media. Um, and, and I suppose the point of that is that we have to uh, figure out how to use those words that we do use wisely and to figure out when to speak and when to be silent. So thank you guys very much for the, being part of this class. Harwell's. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, his his wife, Barry, and Nancy are first cousins. Okay, okay. Well, we just want to know who to respond to. Right. Yeah. Well, so it's my niece's husband. Okay. Uh, well, we're so sorry to hear that. All right. Have a good holiday. Thank you. You too. Cross, cross, cross.